it's good to see all your faces again for, um, we're trying to figure out in the car how long it's been since we've all, or as many as are able to, uh, are to gather in the building, it's been almost four months, I think. Probably around the end of November, I think, since last we had the lockdown. And uh, we're doubly thankful this morning. We have a, a, a guest a ministering brother from Richmond Hill, Brother Eric Janka. Good to greetings. Now will be the time. Thank you. It's um, always uh, unique to be preaching a different church. I don't do it very often, so I do want to pray for uh, your prayers as um, the Spirit would lead. Um, so with that, we'll, we'll turn to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, it's good to know that your Spirit is here, Lord God, and it's good to know that uh, despite who we are, as humans, um, you have the spiritual in each of us, and that common bond, uh, wherever we have been throughout the week, whatever our thoughts are at this very moment, Lord God, your spirit can captivate us, and we pray that you would do that this morning. We pray that your spirit would move, and we pray that, Lord God, your word would be the only thing that goes this morning from this pulpit and we just pray that you would Lord God just comfort give us strength and give the words Lord God um, for the words are beautiful Lord God and, and they are from you and, and they are through your son Jesus Christ in whose name we pray amen this morning we're going to try to turn to Psalms um, Psalms 122 um, it is a passage um, did in our church a few months ago when we actually opened up for the first time as well. Um, and it's just, I don't, similar thing, to read from Psalms too often, um, but there is something special about coming back into God's house, as Brother Eric already mentioned. And with the Lord's help, I want to read through Psalms 122 um, and just kind of cover some of that joy and excitement of coming back into the house of the Lord. Psalms 122, we'll read the nine verses. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Amen. Let's kneel to pray. Dear Father in heaven, as we kneel before thee here in this physical building, dear Father, we know the importance is not the physical building, dear Father, but it is the gathering of hearts unto thee, and it is thy presence in a special way among us. 
as we pray to thee, as we call upon thee, dear Father, and that is very special. It is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, and each one of us that has been apart from each other for a long while knows that. We know that this is precious. Dear Father, as we approach thee now through the reading of thy word and the, the gathering of our hearts together, dear Father, we are thankful for that heavenly city, the, the, the new Jerusalem that we can all be a part of by faith. That's, that's what we've come to now, the new Jerusalem. The, the spirits of just men made perfect, dear Father, the, 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 the blood of thy Son, Jesus Christ, who we worship and who we adore this moment. Dear Father, on our own, we are, we are wretched, miserable people apart from thee. We're weak, we're helpless, but with thee and, and gathered with thee and on thy side, we, we are the saints in light. We are the ones who have inherited so many great and precious promises. We are the ones that have been plucked up from the, 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 the shaky, the, the mire, and set our feet on solid ground on Jesus Christ, the rock, the ones that cannot be moved, though earth, uh, though kingdoms will crumble around, though, though everything will be shaken around us, dear Father, we are clinging to that rock. And we know, we rejoice in the fact that it wasn't to our goodness, our works that got us there, dear Father, but simply believing in the wonderful news we heard. And this, this is the wonderful news that we can proclaim now in this place, this morning, to all those who are not a part of that, who are estranged from thee, who in their hearts are searching and know that they are not founded on the solid rock. This word can go out this morning, this glorious word of peace, of reconciliation, of truth, of, of, of the real truth. The world does not know. The world tries to build and fabricate, um, but just it's, all its efforts crumble. Oh, dear Father, it is so good to be here. Bless the words of thy servant this morning. Bless the hearts of thy children this morning to open, to, to have hearts that are willing to hear it. Dear Father, we need this. We need this in order to do thy will, to be instruments in thy hands. And that's our desire, dear Father, to be used of thee. We have uh, nothing of our own that we can offer, just, dear Father, to be broken in empty vessels. Dear Father, we pray for thy word wherever it goes out today, in all of the corners of the earth, wherever thy faithful are, are called together, who, who desire to worship thee in spirit and in truth. Those who realize that they have nothing, there's no form or ritual that they can do that will make them acceptable unto thee, but the gathering of hearts in faith, the looking unto thee, the calling upon thy name, the humbling ourselves before thy word, that is the true power, that is the true unlocking. Dear Father, we pray for them in every country, in every place, in, in the face of great persecution, in the face of societies that are as opposed as a whole, dear Father, and we know our society is increasingly turning away from thee. We pray for us and for, and for the future as many days as thou wilt grant. Dear Father, we pray for those that are, are physically bound um, in prison or physically bound by their, their bodies, that the, their health, their uh, the sickness they're struggling prevents them from... Um, going out or, or gathering with thy people or, or doing the, the things that those of us that are healthy take for granted. Dear Father, be with them. We pray for healing upon them. We know the power of, of prayer, dear Father. We have experienced it. If we would open our eyes, the examples in our own midst, the miracles that have been worked, dear Father, help us to 
honor thee in these things, to ask consistently and in, and in, in uh, dependence on thee. Dear Father, we pray for the government. We are commanded to, as, as those that are thy children, we are supposed to lift up holy hands and intercede and pray for kings and rulers everywhere as we acknowledge them, as we are obedient to their uh, the commands and the, the, the laws and the, whatever they have uh, issued, dear Father, but we do that acknowledging the supreme Lord, the ruler of all of the earth who is to be obeyed above everyone else and above all other principality and power. Dear Father, we pray for the government that they would realize this even as they continue to turn from thee. Dear Father, as we pray these things, we acknowledge uh, the many sins and shortcomings and failures and slothfulness of we thy people. We confess it now before thee. Dear Father, we have been not the people that we should be. We have not done the things that thou hast commanded us in thy word time and time again as a people and individually, dear Father. And we take that time in prayer now to confess that unto thee and to ask for thy forgiveness and to ask for the stirring of thy spirit individually and collectively, dear Father, that we would, as thy body, be that city set on a hill, the, the light that cannot be hid, the, the joy, the, the, the wonder, all of the things that we have received from thee, that they would spill out, dear Father, that we wouldn't be hiding that light under a bushel. Dear Father, help us there too. We pray all these things looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who is now seated at thy right hand, dear Father, who has gone that path before us, who is bidding us now at this moment to follow in his steps, the steps of the cross, dear Father, to joy unspeakable, to, to fellowship with thee, with all of thy children. Dear Father, we, we pray this in his name, looking unto him, knowing that all the things have been accomplished already. We need but to cling unto Jesus, in whose, whose name we pray. Another thing I'm going to ask, in our home church, prior to COVID, as a preacher, you get comfortable with people. You kind of look and you can see smiles, you can kind of see a nod, you can kind of see something in the eyes. Um, but even since COVID, it's harder to get that confirmation. And I'm only human. I know the spirit convicts and, and reassures, but I'm going to try to look for those here too. I'm going to look for those through the mask, those smiles. I won't see them, but I'll, I'll see some of the eye contact. So if you can do that, it just helps. Um, because, as mentioned, we're only human, um, but it's, it's a blessing, and I know Brother Eric mentioned it's been four months, and our church was summer, I think we had about three months um, separation, but it's a blessing just to kind of compare. This, this passage was written by David, King David, and it was really, um, they, they called them songs of ascent, um, and this psalm was one of the songs of ascent, which was written, um, you know, there's actually 15 psalms. If you go back to Psalm 120 all the way to 134. Um, and they were written, some by David, um, some by others. Um, but it was often on that pilgrimage, and we've been saying the Zion's Harp song, the pilgrimage um, to Jerusalem. 
um, in the ascension and going back to Jerusalem as they did on an annual basis. Um, and King David actually wrote this one as well as 122, 124, 131, and 133. And, and these are really a series from 120, 121, and 122. Um, really talks about that uh, ascension to Jerusalem and the returning back to the holy city. And when, when you think of King David, he didn't actually do that in his life. He always was in Jerusalem. Um, but he still had that conviction and that understanding that throughout this experience coming to, and I want to liken it in the sense of you know, our work week and our life throughout the week as that ascension to coming to Sunday. And, and often, as Brother Eric even mentioned, it's not this physical building um, that brings us that comfort or that reassurance, um, but it's that bond, it's that fellowship, it's that unity that, um, as much as I would like to say, you can get throughout the week, you can't, because you need it here once a week. Right? And, and when, when you think of that, even going back to when God provided Moses um, with direction on the Sabbath, um, there was a purpose. And, and I do believe there is a purpose for us today um, to meet in person and, and be able to go through God's word. And I want to just go back really quick to, and the same thing I would ask if you have your Bible, I'm going to cover some different passages. And if you can turn with me, it's a little bit easier to kind of get a, a visualization of it when you see the words. Um, but I'm respectful if you don't have the opportunity. But if you can, if you can turn to Exodus. Exodus 20. Um, we're going to go from um, verses 8 through 11. And this was actually um, God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. And in that, he had direction for the Sabbath. Um, so that's Exodus 20, um, beginning on verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all them is, and rested seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And when you think of that seventh day, technically it's Saturday, but we celebrate it on the, on the Sunday. And God had a purpose. God had a design, and he knew that if we would keep going week in and week out and focus so much of our attention on good things, our family, our work, other areas, we would lose sight of him and, and what he has in store for us. And he really wanted us to have this day, a day to just to stop, reflect, look to him, look to each other, and really attempt to, to grow spiritually. And... When you read this first verse, and it says, I was glad, and I could admit some Sundays I wasn't glad. Some Sundays you, you take it for advantage when you have every single Sunday, 
and it becomes a challenge of getting the family out the door and get everyone ready and getting in and then trying to put on that smile and put on your Sunday best. But I can tell you, over the last year, when that was taken away, I missed it. And when you think of church and the Sabbath, and you think of being glad and the value of a church to us as, as believers, um, there's really a purpose and a benefit for it for us individually and for us collectively, corporately coming together. There's a purpose and there's, there's value. And this passage covers it quite a bit, this nine verses in Psalms 122. And with the Lord's help, I want to go through, there's, there's four areas uh, that it covers when you think of gathering together corporately on a Sunday such as today. Uh, the first one's in verse 4. It talks about giving thanks. The next one is in verse 6. speaks of prayer and peace. And then the next one, the third one, is in verse 8, where it speaks of fellowship with brothers and sisters. And then the last one, which is in verse 9, speaks of the Word of God, hearing the Word of God collectively as a church on the Sabbath. And with the Lord's help, I'm hoping to kind of stick with this passage, but then also connect it with some New Testament examples of the church at that time, the books of Acts and in different areas where you see um, the church post-Christ and the church more of a reflection of us. You know, we don't have to travel days and miles to go to Jerusalem. Uh, thankfully, we have you know, a physical building relatively close by. Um, so going into that, that mindset of having four ears and kind of connecting Old Testament and New, let's review again verse 4 where it speaks of giving thanks unto God. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of the Lord, uh, testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. And that term thanks, and it speaks of it doing it um, tribe, so as a group, and going and giving praise to God. Um, it really is speaking of corporate praise, singing as a group, as individuals. And that's different than when you have your weekly, sometimes I, I love going in my car and just, I'll, I'll sing to God but out loud and just on my own. Um, there's a different sense of belonging when you're singing as a group and you're praising God together. And there's definitely a different sense of um, a fellowship. And that's covered as well in Colossians, speaks of it. Colossians 3, um, verse 16 this is one of the first churches. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you think of it in that sense, it's, it's more than just words. It's more than just a feeling. It's meant to be a teaching application as well. It's meant to be a way in which you can um, teach one another through psalms and hymns. And often, and again as well in, in verse 17, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And 
that's something very special to our specific denomination is praising God. Beyond just Sunday, you know, we, we have, haven't had over a year now. It was more of those, you know, larger events. And uh, we have midwinter sing here and other churches have other events. Um, but it really is beautiful because um, I know, especially with my younger daughter, Valencia, she loves music. And it's really a way to teach her. It's really a way to show her God's word, God's way through music. And to me, the more I can show them that because their friends at school and even at home they're finding ways to find other music and they're gonna I can't deny that um, but if I can show her the beauty of God's word through music and as this passage mentions in Colossians um, it's beautiful and often that that thought process that was written here in Psalms 122 in this specific passage is thinking of it to, to again take you through the week you know you kind of get your charge here Sunday and you hear the music, you hear the words, you hear, um, you get the fellowship, but it's to carry you through the week. That is really the purpose of, of the Sabbath. The next section we talked about, the first one was giving thanks. The next one is in verse 6 and 8, where it speaks of prayer and peace. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. And Prayer is so powerful, if we let it be. Prayer, especially when we come to corporate prayer, and we've had the, the privilege that in our church we do usually um, once a month, if not more often, a prayer meeting on Thursday. And often we put the list and we put things down, and it's those people that open up and ask for a prayer specific to them because they're hurting, they're in pain. They're the ones that receive the most blessing because they're willing to expose themselves to be healed. And that's really the power of prayer. Uh, we can say a, a prayer here from the pulpit and it's meaningful and the Spirit's moving through that prayer, but there's so much more power when individuals in the church come together and raise their prayers and, and, and offer it together collectively. Even though some people may not feel comfortable public prayer, that's totally respectful. Uh, but there's definitely some blessing in being able to um, pray collectively. And when you think of combining that prayer and in verse 8, it talks about peace. And we talk about that, you know, having peace within these walls. In the same sense, when people are willing to open up and seek out prayer from the church, there's peace. Because it's almost a form of restoration from the individual. They're battling with these items and they're, they're dealing with them throughout the week. And if they can bring it to the church and as a church corporately pray for that individual, there's peace in that. There's peace in that for the individual. There's peace in the church to know we're offering prayer for this individual. And one of the best examples that I could think of was um, when you think of Peter and the prayers that he needed just for survival. You know, we don't often need prayers for survival. Some of us do. Um, but he needed it to live. And the church around him provided that. And it's found in Acts. Acts 12. It's a story, and maybe I'm sure are familiar with it, with Peter and the church praying while he was in prison. It's Acts 12. We'll read verse 5, and then we'll jump down to verse 11 through 16. 
Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. He was handcuffed. He was in chains in a prison. But the church was praying for him. And now we see the results of that prayer in verse 11. Acts 12, verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. You see, Peter thought he was in a dream. He didn't think this was happening. He, didn't, he thought he was literally in a dream and he was in his dream leaving the prison, but this was reality. And finally, once he started walking and he realized what was occurring around him, he knew this was reality. So you now he's come to this house, the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. Rhoda's floored. She's so excited. Peter's here. They don't even believe their own prayers have been answered. And they say, You're mad. What's wrong with you? And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed, that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That's the power of prayer. To pray for it, the person who's receiving that prayer and God's answering it, doesn't believe it, thinks it's a dream because it's so far-fetched that they could just miraculously walk from a prison. Then the people offering the prayer that have been praying night and day don't even believe it's answered because it's too far-fetched that how could God answer this prayer? How could Peter come out of prison from chains and handcuffed being knocking at the door as we're praying. In our own church in Richmond Hill, we have another Peter. Um, and he's been battling with cancer now for a couple of years. I could say that I, I've seen our church and that power it has through prayer when you collectively bring it to the whole church. You know, we could have one person, the preacher, preaching and praying for Peter. But we were able to get an email list, people signing up for hours, praying for Peter. It takes a little more work, it takes a little more organization. But that prayer now is multiplied by 30, 40 times. Not to say that me preaching from the pulpit is not as powerful. 
It's very powerful, but the Lord hears the prayers of his people. The third area is fellowship. Verse 8. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, peace be with you. And we think of that brethren and companion and that peace we talked about before. And when you think of the growth of the early church and having that concept of having brethren and companions to come to, to strengthen. Even at that time, they had to do it in hiding, the early church of Acts, because they were sought after. Not only by the Jewish leaders, but also by the Romans. They were sought after to be killed, to be burned. But the fellowship then was so powerful because it was a life and death situation. Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fellowship, doctrine, communion. That's a purpose as well for the Sabbath. We think of those three areas. And the purpose, again, is to extend beyond this physical day, is to extend this communion and this fellowship into each of our homes and to those brothers and sisters that we ever have the opportunity to see and seek out throughout the week. The fourth one, verse 9 hearing the word of God. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Seeking the goodness of God. The word is going to be preached here, Lord willing, physically in person as people are preaching from this pulpit, virtually online. But the ultimate purpose is not just to say the words. It's to help others seek God. It's to help reveal the gospel to the lost. It connects the physical speaking to the spiritual within each individual. And that's with the power of the word of God. And it gives us strength to go throughout this week. It gives us strength to battle the things we're going to face at our works, to, to take on the things we're going to go through in our schools. And the early church, in the same manner, knew the power of the word of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our 
our specific denomination does not have pastors that are well-educated. In the doctrine, in the sense of going to school for four years. I wish it maybe had some of that background because sometimes it's challenging going through some of this words of God because it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to understand. Sometimes it's even more difficult to attempt to communicate it, to convey the word of God. But the beauty of that is that despite all of that, because of the fact that I don't have enticing words, I don't have wisdom to this word, I'm praying that that's going to give the spirit more opportunity to move. Not to say that there's not educational men that can preach this word much greater than me. Of course there are, and, and they're amazing preachers. But I think it's just something that something I take for granted. I took for granted even growing up in our church in that same sense. But ultimately, regardless, it's the word of God that causes us to seek out God. Causes us to understand him more. And know him more. And ultimately that's the purpose of Sundays. Is to have God's people in God's place doing God's will. And for the last little bit of time we have together. I want to touch on you know, what happens when our Sundays are taken away from us in the sense of doing what we're doing right now. What happened over the past four months when you couldn't come to this building? I can tell you when we started at our church and attempted to do the virtual services, it was tough. It's tough enough to preach to an audience, but when you're staring at a screen, when you're staring at a camera, there's nobody that's tough but on the flip side trying to get everyone together when there isn't a place to worship and not have distractions and having kids in Sunday school and things that you're used to the structure of and receiving the word of God is even tough as well And we often use this passage, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of others, or not, as, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I can say with certainty that I didn't want to forsake the assembly, but when the government takes something from us, and we're forced to react, and we're forced to find ways to find our Sabbath, is my prayer that over the past four months, and even throughout this year, that allow us to find the true Sabbath. 
and reflect more on who truly is the Sabbath, that is Jesus Christ. And the Sabbath is within each of us. And yes, those four points of the purpose of a Sabbath are, are beautiful and they have a purpose. Um, but as mentioned, when things get taken from us, we could either turn towards bitterness, towards denial, and say, why did this happen? Who does the government think they are? Why, why are these things happening to us? Or we can say, God, you have a higher purpose, a higher calling. And that's for us to look within and find the Sabbath. John 4, 21 through 24. John 4, 21 through 24. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when he shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem, whether the Father worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The hour came for the last four months. The hour has come for over 2,000 years. True worship is in spirit and truth. And that was so hard for that lady to understand at that time. Because she was so used to the religious component of going up to a mountaintop, going up to a certain area, and assuming that's where I have to go to worship, and that's where my God is, and that's where I need to be. In the same sense, when something is taken away from us, and we don't have that physical building anymore, are we able to still find true worship? Mark 2 27 through 28. And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. And one more passage I just want to read, talking further of Jesus Christ being the Lord of the Sabbath, is John 2 19 through 22. John 2 19 through 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Then said the Jewish people, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. You see, the Pharisees had a similar concept as often we do about the physical day and the things we have to do religiously on a Sunday. And when that's gone, sometimes we're lost. And the Pharisees actually developed 39 different categories of laws 
of how the Sabbath had to be. What you can't do, what you have to do, how you have to do it on the Sabbath, on God's day. And ultimately, these rules and these laws about the Sabbath I don't want to say we're demolished, but we're replaced by Jesus Christ because he came to be within our hearts. And you think of that concept of when he died and when that veil in that, that temple was ripped in half. That gave us and God the opportunity to have Sabbath every day with us. And even if things go back to normal, right, and we have the opportunity and in your format of structure of, of worship here on Sundays is you have one hour of service, um, then you have fellowship time with lunch, and then you have your one hour services in the afternoon probably four hours of your day on Sunday. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Excel person. I work in Excel every day. I work with files at work. And so I, I like looking at numbers. Um, I just did the average math. You know, on average, if you're awake 16 hours a day, that's 112 hours you're awake. And there's 168 hours in a week. So if things went back to our form of worship and we gave God that four hours and we disregarded the rest of the week and we said, God, I'm going I'm to religiously come on the Sabbath and I'm going to be here every Sunday. That equates to 3.6% of your awake hours. And to me it was humbling to think that you know, often we're talking about in church a structure change of the, of the Sunday and maybe making this a little bit shorter, maybe make this a little bit longer and adapting this and over 3.6%. That's what we're kind of contemplating over. And you think of this passage, and I, I want to just touch on a little bit on um, Psalms 120 um, at the start here because it really speaks of their week, their work week, if you want to call it, their pilgrimage to Jerusalem and the challenges they faced because, you know, they didn't just focus on that 3.6% of getting to um, Jerusalem. They had a week that they had to deal with. And these passages, I'm going to quickly read through them. Um, I want to encourage you to just look through them and think of your work week and the challenges you're faced with. But on Psalms 120... In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. 
This world is corrupt. Brother Eric preached about it, even our specific area within the GTA is, is corrupt. Corrupt in the sense of uh, we've lost our focus sorry, on, on Christ. And when you're not able to turn to the light, you're stuck in the dark. And when you think of it in that sense of this passage, although we may have peace, we may speak for peace, this world around us is seeking war. The world around us is not for Christ. And that makes it tough. That makes it tough, especially if you attempt to speak the truth, if you attempt to reach out to the lost. It makes it very difficult. But the encouraging part, if you read the Psalms 121, I want to touch on that very quickly. More of the bright and happy days that we have throughout this week. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my, thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, and he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. And that speaks more of the, those bright and happy days that we often have throughout the week. Those days where despite what's going on in the world around us, the Spirit's moving in us and encouraging us. And regardless if you're experiencing one of those days that it's dark and dreary, or if you're in one of those joyous or happy days, they're both from God. God has a purpose in both of those days. And it's more of how do we respond to God's purpose in those situations. And when you think of the early church and the purpose of that early church, it was just for that. It was for that to carry them throughout the week. It was that to to find ways to, to uplift each other. I read really quickly one more passage just because this one to me always hits home um, when you do have a, a church of some younger people some older people different demographics and the strength you can have for each other um, there's power in that as well when you look at Titus Titus 2 1 through 9 Titus 2 1 through 9 but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober grave temperate sound in faith in charity and patience a high calling, brothers. The aged woman, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not giving to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, and the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, Likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness and gravity and sincerity. 
sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil things to say of you. And that concept of the younger and the older, and that concept of having accountability, of having mentorship, and going beyond the Sabbath, allow the church to thrive, and allow the church to grow in the early age, and allow the church to find ways to experience Christ throughout the week. And when you think of the purpose of the Sabbath and God's day, it needs to and it has to go beyond one day. We have to find ways to be able to seek out Christ daily. We have to find ways to depend on Christ daily. And when you think of that dependence on Christ, we also need the support of our brothers and sisters and our husbands and wives. And our spouse is there to support us, to show us back to the Father. And that's really the purpose of fellowship, is the purpose of gathering, is the purpose of that prayer and of that peace and of that worship. It's to point us back to Christ, where we have the true form of worship. And when you think of us being the church and that we are the church, and we are called to seek out and reflect Christ daily. So I pray that it will give you encouragement to know that there is a purpose today, and it's an amazing blessing, but there's so much of a greater purpose to take what we receive today and bring it throughout the week. And I want to just leave with one quote. I never read this book, but uh, I know many have um, from John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. And I just want to read just as a form of encouragement just to end on this. Seek God in the morning. He who runs from God in the morning will hardly find him at the close of the day. Nor will he who begins with the world and the vanities thereof in the first place be very capable of walking with God all the day after. If he who finds God in his closet that will carry the Savior of him into his house, his shop, and is more open conversation. Amen. This morning we've uh, heard uh, much to be encouraged by. We, were, uh, we read from uh, Psalm 122, a song of degrees or ascent. And uh, as the brother explained, this was the, the song that they would sing by degrees as they would approach Jerusalem and put yourself in their shoes. The excitement, the building excitement as you as you're going towards Jerusalem, as you see the other pilgrims the, on the gathering for the special feast days, and uh, more and more people getting together. I, um, I'm kind of reminded of when you'd go to Eastern Camp, right? And as you're traveling down, you know we're getting closer, and maybe you see another person. You see, say, oh, this is a, you know what's in store for you. And Jerusalem, how beautiful it must have been, and the excitement there, but we have so much more than that. We have so much more as, as um, I was reminded of Hebrews 12, just a couple of verses here. You're not come unto Mount Zion, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the true Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, 
and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. This gathering in the heavenly Jerusalem, all the true pilgrims, all those that love Jesus and his appearing, all those that understand the purpose of his blood and, and are willing to be identified by it, that gathering of saints, that's the pilgrimage we're on now. That's the song of degrees that we're singing as we go, as we get closer and closer to that heavenly Jerusalem. And it's days like this uh, that encourage me on that journey. That, that, that's the purpose of our gathering, is to encourage each other on those uh, these days of rest in him. I'm so appreciative of the brother and uh, your, your message to us, brother, it really encouraged us. And um, just a reminder, it's been so long since we've had a, a visiting minister um, that there's another fellowship in this great city and uh, you can come to us from that fellowship and give us that word of encouragement. It's a real blessing. Do you have any greetings or expression? Yeah, greetings from uh, Doina. She went with the girls to our church um, this morning, she sent her greetings as well um, from our ministers and our congregation there. We extend her greetings, and yeah, hopefully we'll do it maybe more frequently. We talked about a little bit, right? Because yeah. we are pretty close, um, but it is nice to kind of share some of his responsibilities and just to see the brothers and sisters as well. Yeah. As we get closer and closer to the heavenly Jerusalem, right? we need to do that more and more as we see the day approaching. Are there other greetings or announcements that anyone else has? Brother Zoli, Sister Rosemary, you're a testimony of, of God's goodness. Um, yeah, there was a lot of concern in, in, in our hearts, all of our hearts, a burden for you, and um, the Lord is so gracious. We thank him. He is the one that needs to be praised and lifted up for your restoration to us. Thank you, brother. <clears throat>